All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm talking to you today from San Francisco, California, on this, the 19th day of October 2021. We do always like to to thank you all for listening to the show and uh, also encourage you to send along any comments you might have to Questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions at number four, Taylor at gmail.com. We also want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible. Today's sponsors, Novo Resources, El Oro Resources, Hannon Metals, Labrador Gold Corp., Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp., and Firefox Gold. Before we get started with today's show, I want to pass along a comment from Michael Oliver on gold that he provided to his paid subscribers this past weekend. Michael noted once again that he would not want to be short. He would not want to be a gold bear because the shorts are really just spinning their wheels, making no money at all. Meantime, uh, gold is continuing to mark time by building a, a base before it starts its next major move. Michael said that the key long-term structure MSA is most focused on traces back much further and it's evident on gold quarterly momentum charts that he provides to his subscribers. Uh, its key breakout level is a weekly close this quarter at 1825, or it's about $55 higher than the 1770 price that it was trading just before the show began a few minutes ago. Um, I would like to encourage you to consider subscribing to Michael's letter to keep up uh, with the constant information that he provides. Uh, you can go to OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com to keep up with Michael's work. In response to a listener named Art, I would also like to briefly comment on Novo Resources, which has had a declining share price over the last several weeks and a disappointing gold production report for the third quarter ending September 30th. Novo produced 18,144 ounces of gold in Q3, but production during the months of August and September fell considerably shy of the 8,589 ounces of gold produced in July. Dr. Henning is scheduled to come on this show to talk about Novo. Uh, That's on Tuesday, November 23rd. Lower levels of production was blamed on by in the press release from the company was blamed on lower head grades going to the uh, mill. Uh, that was due to uh, mining dilution. The company plans to rectify that problem by closer space drilling, pre uh, pre production drilling. Given the nuggety nature of gold mineralization, the company's Beaton's Creek project, this uh, problem is not terribly surprising, nor is the market's response to the disappointing production numbers. 
I think the market will need to see improvement in the current quarter uh, to restore confidence. Some very positive reports on mechanical sorting and more high-grade assays from the Talga project, uh, where the company's recently reported an intercept of 25.5 grams of gold over 3.5 meters, might help bolster the stock in the short term. But until those kinds of positive events occur, I don't see any reason for upside share price optimism uh, immediately, unless, of course, the price of gold breaks out in a major way uh, to the upside. I've titled today's show, How America's Emerging Revolution is Similar to Cuba's. Dr. Uh, Roger Moss will be with me, with me in the second segment. Um, Richard Mayberry is my main guest. He'll be with me in the second half of today's show. When President Eisenhower was leaving the White House, he warned Americans of the emerging military-industrial complex that he feared would destroy our our democratic form of government. Sadly, it seems President Eisenhower was right, as a massive bureaucracy now makes rules that have nothing to do with the will of the people. A move uh, away from power by the people to power of the government over the electorate to dictate every area of our life has now provoked growing anger among conservatives. Conservatives crave retention of the Constitution that guaranteed the rights of Americans to be free of government tyranny. Much of the current lack of agreement is related to social issues, with economic issues sometimes taking a back seat, or seemingly to do so. But increasingly, as the Federal Reserve's counterfeiting actions result in hyperinflation, and Americans realize this money-printing scam is the reason for their poverty and the massive wealth of the top 1%, Richard believes a setting very similar to Cuba in 1958 may leave power in America up for grabs by a number of interests. Richard will explain what to watch for to determine who will gain power and what investments you should uh, own in preparation for a hyperinflationary event. Richard will be with me in the second half of today's show, as I noted, and Dr. Roger Moss of Labrador Gold Corp. will join me right after our first commercial break, which we are about to take now, just a second or two. But uh, I should say that if you are interested in a gold share investment story that has a chance to mirror the emerging multi-million ounce high-grade gold discovery of newfound gold located in the same belt of rocks as uh, Newfound's, as uh, Labrador's project, You won't want to miss what Roger has to say right after we return uh, from our first commercial break. So we are going to go to break now, but don't go away because right back after that will be Dr. Roger Moss of Labrador Gold Corp. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. 
SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQB is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have with me once again Dr. Roger Moss. He's the President, Director, and CEO of Labrador Gold Corp. Roger's got a, a very impressive history. He's over 30 years of exploration uh, geology. Uh, he's had at least one uh, discovery, gold discovery, under his belt that he's credited with. That's the Navajob. Uh, discovery gold deposit in Namibia, but he's been uh, all around the world, various places, Africa, Central and South America, Eastern Europe, Canada, and of course, it's the Canadian uh, work that he's doing right now that we're really focused on for Labrador Gold. Really happy to have Roger with me again. Before I say hello to Roger, I should note that the stock trades in Toronto under the symbol LAB. Uh, you can buy it in the U.S. as I have under the symbol NKOSF. 153 million shares, a dollar three. I saw earlier today in Canadian money, giving it a market cap of 157 million Canadian dollars. Welcome, Roger, and thanks for joining me again. Uh, thanks, Jay. It's great to be back on the show again. It's really good to have you. I know that you've been spending quite a bit of time up on the property, so I'm, I'm sure uh, you're very excited about what's taking place there. I know investors who have been following the amazing gold discovery by your next-door neighbor there, Newfound Gold, on the, I guess they call it the Queensway Project, uh, they've had some phenomenal gold assays, but some of the assays that you've reported are look almost identical to some of the outstanding ones that they've been talking about. They've had, a, of course, a head start on your project. Uh, they've been working on it for a lot longer. But you're in the same belt of rocks, as I understand it. But I might just mention just a few of the high-grade uh, headline numbers, at least, that were passed along starting in June. You had 3.6 meters of 20.6 grams um, on, on your Kingsway project. You had 1.85 meters of 50.38 grams. You had another report of a half a meter of 276.56 grams per ton, another one of 40, uh, 4.28 meters of 44 grams per ton, Another one of uh, 1.12 meters of 128.51 grams of gold per ton. Obviously, say those are extremely uh, exciting numbers, and I'm sure uh, people should realize uh, what's going on. So that's why we, we're glad to have you here. And 
maybe you just sort of give us an overview of what you've learned so far from your drilling, from drill results uh, on, your, uh, on your Kingsway project. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, it has been uh, it has been quite a ride the last uh, the last few months since we started uh, getting the assays in. As you know, um, the turnaround time is uh, is quite quite a while these days, and uh, it tends to be a little frustrating. But uh, we do have assays flowing now, and um, yeah, the ones the ones that you highlighted there are indeed uh, some of our best some of our best assays that we've uh, that we've announced to date. And I think uh, I think I think you're right. Um, you know, it's uh, it's similar similar grades to what uh, Newfound Gold has been seeing down south at Queensway, and uh, we're we're just getting started. Really, uh, we have been drilling for a few months now. For well, actually since since April, so that's good. That's a good time. And uh, a few things that we've we've uh, we've learned. Probably the probably the uh, the biggest thing that we've learned is is it just ain't Ain't easy. Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if it was, everybody would be finding such 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 great grades. But um, yeah, it's uh, we we're uh, we're learning a lot as we go. We are um, the geology is uh, is complex, both in terms mostly in terms of the structure, the folding, mm-hmm. vaulting, and um, but uh, you know, if you talk to geologists that work in these orogenic environments, they'll tell you that uh, that structure is a good thing, and uh, they, that those kinds of structures introduce the gold into the rocks, and then the folds can can concentrate the gold in fold hinges and things like that. So, um, you know, it's it's a really good environment for us to work in, and I think we've we've learned a lot about the geology. Um, we've learned. That uh, that that there are both structural and lithological controls, so it's not mm-hmm. just the faults that uh, that control the gold mineralization, but also also the changes in rock type can have mm-hmm. an effect. And um, we've learned a few things about the geochemistry. Uh, so, for example, we because we don't get assays for so long, uh, we have noted that. Um, that arsenic in the drill core is often closely correlated with the gold. And mm-hmm. so uh, with our portable XRF machine in the core shack, we can scan the core and uh, where we get some high-grade uh, arsenic numbers, we, uh, we typically expect to get uh, good gold grades. Uh, it's, not, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. And that, that mm-hmm. really helps us target um, the next drill hole without having to wait two months for the assays to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. Can you expedite those uh, high arsenic values, those drill cores, and, and, and get them back a little faster possibly, or, or is that just you a know, hopeless? We can. We can. We can, we can do uh, – uh, the, the labs do have a rush, a rush assay. Yeah, and, but everybody um, else is rushing probably. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what happened. So if we, go, if we go back to this time last year – when we were working, the typical turnaround for for normal assays was a month. Uh, mm-hmm. Typical turnaround now for normal assays is two months. And mm-hmm. um, uh, this time last year, if you rush the samples, you'd be looking at at ten days to two weeks. Now you're wow. looking at about a month. So so it's uh, it's it's everything is pretty much doubled. The turnaround time is pretty much doubled, no matter whether you're talking about um, rush assays or or normal assays, and it's just uh, 
the labs the labs are full. They, they and and they just don't have the personnel to keep up with the um, with the amount of work that they have uh, getting thrown at them. Right. Well, you've got four drill rigs. I think I don't know your next door neighbor there, but they must have how many? At least twelve or so. I think. I think, uh, I so. think they're eight or eight or nine and working their way up. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how many they have right now. Yeah. Yeah, so there's just an awful lot of core that's uh, being sent to the labs and they can't keep up. Well, I want to ask you about your news yesterday. Uh, you commented that you got some drill, you got some permits to drill, I think, northeast of the big vein, where I think you've been spending most of your efforts so far. I, th- I saw in your news release yesterday that the first target is some 800 meters, I think, northeast of the big vein. What did you see that caused you to seek permission to drill in that direction from the big vein? Well, uh, ba- basically, it's it goes back to uh, what I have been talking about for for a little while now. It's called it, I call it the string of pills, and mm-hmm. um, so where we're where we're planning to drill right now is one of those pills, and the pills are um, either gold occurrences such as Big Vein or or Keats Lotto down south, or mm-hmm. gold and anomalous gold areas. So. When, when we look at when we look at the map along the Appleton Fault, there are, there are these occurrences all along it, and there are also these anomalous areas that are anomalous in gold, and so these are the pearls, and the and the Appleton Fault is the string. So this area that we're looking at drilling now, um, it's it's one that shows shows a lot of promise. It's one where we had uh, some really good results from till sampling earlier in the summer, and uh, we believe that somewhere somewhere between Big Vein and um, and this area that we're and and where those till samples are, there's there's another there's, we're going to find another gold occurrence just because of what we saw in the till samples. So I think that um, the, the the rationale for putting the drill where it is. And it's up ice of where those toll samples are. Um, it's to, it's to essentially to discover another gold occurrence. Mm-hmm. Well, you're certainly your neighbors uh, there. Uh, the newfound folks have been finding multiple high-grade epizonal structures and, and mineralized zones that are really exciting. Uh, this string of pearls that you're talking about, I guess, probably has something to do with tectonic movements. Perhaps it sort of over time spaces these different structures out. Is that is that how you'd understand it? Yeah, I think so, Jay. That's 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 a, you know, that, that that's pretty much right on. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, basically the structures introduce the gold into the, into the upper crust, and mm-hmm. uh, where we see these localizations of occurrences or pearls, as I call them, um, they're they're typically at places where secondary structures intersect the main. Mm-hmm. In this case, Appleton fault structure. Uh-huh. We we have intersecting structures. That's a perfect place to to look for and find these these gold occurrences. Well, I think it's very exciting because I know Quentin Henning has talked about uh, earlier on uh, this. Uh, you know the uh, this this whole the belt of rocks having the potential to have multiple. Uh, Fosterville-like deposits, and my goodness, the kind of numbers you're seeing early on in your project, as well as uh, 
as well as newfounds is is looking very very promising like he could be right about that and now you're t- talking about a string of pearls so we can dream of course it's uh, we have to we we have to we have to hold our pants on while we wait for the assays of course that's the problem <laughs> but yeah um, exactly um, I should I should I should actually give a shout out to Quentin there because uh, it was really his uh, his, his uh, comments on Newfound Gold's uh, original. Uh, discovery that they reported uh, back in January of 2020 um, that really made me look for and, and, and acquire this Kingsway project. So um, big, huge, huge thanks to Quinton Hennig for, uh, for that impetus. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, um, I just, uh, so you have, you have a drill program now. I think you had something like you, you increased the drill program from 20,000 meters to 50,000 meters. You got four drills operating. Uh, so what did you see? I mean, was it the early drill results that caused you to say, we got we to gotta move this thing along faster that got you to go to 50,000 meters? And, and perhaps you can tell us where you're at right now in terms of the drilling of those 50,000 meter uh, in this program. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, the real, really the impetus for for increasing increase the drilling. I mean, we we had no doubt that there there was a lot of drilling to be done here. Um, we have twelve kilometer strike length of the Appleton Fault, and so um, we 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 were already generating targets that we could see would uh, would eventually become become drill worthy. And uh, but you know you have to be somewhat conservative with your with your cash and and mm-hmm. uh, sort of plan your drilling around uh, the cash that you have, and um, we were very fortunate that we we did a um, a couple of financings in in um, April and May of this year with Eric Sprad and Newfound Gold, and that really topped the treasury up and gave us the confidence um, to be able to to plan for a fifty thousand meter drill program. Um, because of the cash on hand. Mm-hmm. And how far are you through that 50,000 drill program now? Uh, how much we of the... Probably, we're probably at about 15,000, 15, 1.5. Only, okay. And how, you, yeah. how much of the drill core uh, have you got assays back for? Oh, Let's say about, what per, roughly what percentage? I would say 60%, maybe two-thirds, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, there's going to be a lot more drill results coming. That's what that's what I'm hearing. Uh, exactly. you, you mentioned cash. How how is the cash position now for the company? Pretty good, I guess. You're still in pretty good shape, certainly yeah, to carry we're, out we're, this program. Oh, absolutely. We're we're still really really cashed up. Uh, I think our current our current cash on hand is 33 million Canadian, and so uh, yeah, we we have uh, we have enough enough uh, money in the bank to see see us through the, the 50,000 meters and more. And can you drill year-round there, Roger? Yeah, we, we actually started drilling um, in late March, early April this year, um, and we plan to drill through the winter again um, this year. Um, there, there, there are a couple of things that the... the the access gets a bit, uh, I, I get a bit messy during uh, while we're waiting for the for the snow to come and, and the freeze up to happen, and and again when uh, we have the thaw, 
uh, from winter going into spring. So there's probably mm-hmm. there'll, there'll probably be periods of two weeks or so where we won't we'll we'll have to close down the drills just because of weather conditions. But mm-hmm. other than that, uh, we expect to be able to drill uh, drill right through. Oh, that's a real blessing because a lot of the Canadian companies, of course, have to shut down for a number of months. Uh, just uh, with just a few seconds, well, I guess about a minute or two left here yet. What, um, you know, maybe to a lot of investors, metallurgy sounds like a boring topic, but it's my impression that uh, the, the gold mineralization there is largely free milling, probably relatively easy metallurgy is what is anticipated. Do I, am I on the right track there? Yeah, I think so. Um, right, right on it. It's uh, we we haven't we haven't done any metallurgical studies. Or I, I should say that, but um, we you know we do see we do see the visible gold in the drill core in the quartz veins, and um, when we do a uh, metallic screen assay, which we do for any um, any drill core in which we see visible gold, we we do see that the the coarse fraction of of the um, of the sieve material uh, contains a lot more gold than the fine than the fine fraction, and uh-huh. so uh, I, I think we're looking at coarse gold. And I don't, I, I, I would not expect it to be uh, uh, metallurgically problematic at all. Good. Well, that's really good news, and it's uh, very often deal breakers. Uh, I didn't expect it with your project, given what I've been observing, but uh, it sounds really good. Well, Roger, it sounds like you're on the right track. Uh, things seem to be going well. We look forward to keeping up with this story going forward uh, for sure. I mean, I think it's certainly one of the most exciting regions in the world right now is uh, where you're where you're involved. So uh, thanks so much for sharing with us once again, and we'll look forward to talking to you sometime in the not-too-distant future, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much, Jay. It's a pleasure to be you here. You bet. Likewise, thank right. you so much for being with us. All right, folks, well, that, don't go away because Richard Mayberry is going to be with me right after the break. He is the author of the Early Warning Report. Richard believes the current revolution that is taking place in America resembles very much that of the Cuban Revolution. I think you're going to find it's very interesting, so uh, don't go away. Be sure to stay tuned to hear what Richard has to say coming back right after the break. Don't go away. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Lion One Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. 
If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Richard Mayberry with me once again. Richard is the publisher of U.S. World Early Warning Report, but he's written several entry-level common-sense books that are really, I think, essential. I mean, I wish these books were taught in the public schools instead of the garbage that's being taught these days, but uh, a lot of very practical books and based on, uh, on the founding principles of our country to a great extent really help Anybody that would read these books, and they're simple, easy-to-read books, would have an understanding uh, far greater than what our kids are being taught in school about the reasons we have a republic and not a democracy, why it was a democratic republic and not a democracy, uh, and how, if you want to have prosperity, how the free markets work best. Rick uh, does an awful lot of very valuable information in those books. Um, Some of them are, well, whatever happened to Penny Candy is one of my favorites, Um, Anyway, I just would like to suggest that you all go to Rick's website, uh, and that would be to earlywarningreport.com, earlywarningreport.com. I think you can order those books there, but you can also subscribe to his newsletter, which I strongly suggest you consider doing. Rick, thanks for joining us again. Oh, thank you, Jay. I always enjoy talking with you. You're doing such a great job of providing people a uh, viewpoint different than the nonsense that's put out by the mainstream press. And thank you very much. Uh, uh, my wife and I are grateful to have you there. Thank you. Well, we're likewise with you, and it's not that uh, that I'm doing anything new. I mean, I'm just taking the playbook from our founding fathers to a great extent, as I know you are. And mm-hmm. those values, I think, are, are really what has made us a great country, a free and a, a country of liberty and, and freedom. And we tried our best uh, in terms of justice for all as well. And I think we were getting better for a while. But in any event, let's get on to uh, today's topic, Rick. And I, I really wanted to talk to you a lot about, or you talk to us, I should say, about October-November newsletter. Uh, your early warning report. And um, to start out with, I mean, you you started out by saying uh, you noted that something mighty big and unprecedented is taking shape, namely the growth of the amount of money that if circulating in the, that is circulating in the global economy. And you quoted an economist in noting that it took thousands of years for the global money supply to go up to $18 trillion, which is an amount that's hard to imagine, but it's taken only 20 months beyond that to add another $11 trillion, uh, to the total money supply globally. Now, I, you know, can you perhaps talk about some of the ramifications of the, uh, to the global economy and to society in general, and may, maybe also who benefits from this money creation and who is hurt by it? Well, uh, one of the benefits is, is people are going to be uh, forced, um, they are actually being forced, to uh, consider other means of uh, storing value. You know, that's the main purpose of a currency is to mm-hmm. store value mm-hmm. until you want to use it to, to trade for something. And I think that one of the main benefits is that people are, are now going to be forced to consider things that they never would have thought of before, like, for instance, the precious metals, gold mm-hmm. and silver, 
And um, I like platinum too. My favorite right now, uh, my favorite buy is is platinum. Yeah. And um, I think uh, you know that's a, that's going to be a wonderful thing. People are going to f- rediscover what real money is simply because they're going to be forced to rediscover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's going to be very good. Now, as as, as far as uh, political ramifications. Um, I, uh, as you and I were talking um, before we were on the air, um, <clears throat> I think that what happened in Cuba during the Cuban Revolution um, around 1959, I think it was. Right. Uh, um, uh, I think that is a model for what's going to happen in the United States. Now, what happened in Cuba is that the Cuban government was crooked as a dog's hind leg. Uh, that should should uh, ring a bell here for people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and uh, and uh, it was uh, stealing everything it could get its hands on. Very corrupt, you know, hugely corrupt. That was the government of Batista, mm-hmm. the leader. And uh, the official history that everybody is taught is that Castro was leading a communist revolution to take over Cuba. And finally, uh, they got enough power to actually be able to throw out Batista and take over and make Cuba communist. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, it, it could be that, that Castro was actually a real communist, I don't know, or socialist, whichever term you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I used to know, long, long ago, I knew a professor of Latin American history who said that that official story is ridiculous. It simply did not happen. And what really happened was the population was getting more and more angry, and all over the country, Mm -hmm. uh, rebellions were breaking out. Just independent uh, groups of rebels were arming themselves and uh, fighting against the Batista army. So uh, you had not just... Castro's group, but there were probably dozens of other groups out there in the, the jungle and in uh, you know the open country that were operating, uh, trying to get some some of their freedom back. And um, eventually, the Batista government in Havana realized that the jig was up. And that you know they they better get out of the country or they were going to wind up hanging from lampposts. Huh. So one day they all all the leaders just packed onto an airplane and took off and just flew away. Mm-hmm. And and the presidential palace in Havana was empty. And word got around across the island that um, the presidential palace was empty. The government had just run away. And then the leaders of all of these different um, guerrilla groups all over Cuba began, they jumped in their jeeps, and they started driving toward Havana. And the way Castro took over is simply that he had the fastest jeep. Hmm. And he got there first and declared a communist republic. <laughs> and and that's that's how it really happened. It was just totally accidental that he happened to get there first. Well, I guess that's uh, important, then, if the same sort of thing plays out in the U.S., who gets there first is very important. Exactly, and that's my point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think America is coming to that stage where the population, or at least probably more than half of it, will will be so angry at the federal government that the politicians and, and top bureaucrats in Washington are simply one day going to walk away. They're going to get in their cars and just disappear. And suddenly all those buildings, those government buildings in Washington are going to be empty, and the word is going to get around that there's no government left up there. They all just left. And um, I think that well, what will happen is there will be a race to get there, and whoever gets there first is going to wind up being the head of the new U.S. government, whatever that happens to be. It'll be just like Cuba. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of my expectation mm-hmm. is that at some point it's the economy is going to get so bad that uh, the government's just going to pack its bags and leave. Mm-hmm. So do you think it will be primarily an economic problem that angers people? We're hearing a lot of other issues uh, besides economics. I mean, certainly inflation is on the rise now, but we're also hearing people very angry about what's going on in the public schools. Um, you know, there's there's a, a lot of a lot of reasons to be upset. And looking at what's happening politically and how uh, the uh, the COVID virus thing has been politicized uh, to a great extent mm-hmm. and used by government to basically take our liberties and our freedoms away and tell us how to live and what to think. And don't you dare have another professional medical opinion that it, that is opposite that of the Biden administration, or you get um, silenced and taken off the YouTube and whatever else. So wh- what do you think it would, it, will it be economics primarily? Because right now we're seeing what the CPI at five something percent, I think is the latest number. It's really mm-hmm. rising fairly dramatically, I think. So you think it will be economics that primarily upsets the apple cart? That's what it usually is. You, you never know for sure uh, until it actually happens. But in most cases, when you look down through history all around the world, it's economics that, that trigger off the, uh, the rebellion. Um, people want to have some financial security. They want to know they can take care of their kids. And, um, you know, their families are the very most important thing to them. And when they begin to realize, and this is what's coming, I think, People are going to begin to realize that the government is a threat to their families. Mm-hmm. And boy, when, when that, that dawns on the population, look out. And um, you know, what I focus on, actually, is the Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Marine, the Marines are the palace guard of the, uh, of the federal government. And um, you know, the day will come, I think, maybe not too long, I don't know. When um, the uh, politicians are just going to leave, the, the top bureaucrats are going to leave, and the Marines are going to be standing there. They're the guys that guard the buildings. They're going to be standing there and wondering what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever shows up that they believe in mm-hmm. is going to be president. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so well, you, know, you if you want to keep an eye on what's going on in the country, really be sure you're watching the Marines. Well, this is a very good, uh, a very interesting point, Rick, because um, the Biden administration is is clearly trying to change the composition of its uh, military leaders. And I noticed, I think, at the military academies, it's gotten rid of Trump appointees and are putting in the people of their like mind. 
uh, of a liberal variety, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's something we need to be, be, be watching. I mean, it certainly seems important. Yeah. Um, at the, you know, at bottom, the people who really decide uh, are the government. Um, you know, the, the people that have the last word in it uh, are the trigger pullers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, PFC Jones. Mm-hmm. PFC Jones uh, is the guy who's actually going to enforce what, whatever new government exists. And so he's going to decide who he's willing to shoot and who he's not willing to shoot. And mm-hmm. so it's his attitudes, PFC Jones, mm-hmm. it's his attitudes that are going to determine what kind of government we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we've certainly seen the influence of the existing administration trying to put in people that will educate the PFC Jones and down the line so that they mm-hmm. think the way they want them to think, right? So uh, the, these, uh, I mean, the soldiers, when they, you were one, I never was in the military, but you you swear to uphold the Constitution, right? It's not, or yep. who are you obliged to, the Constitution or to your direct commander? Um, in most cases, you're well. It, it is a legal fact that you mm-hmm. are first and foremost uh, uh, supposed to follow the Constitution. Mm-hmm. But what that means, generally, in actual practice, is is do you trust your uh, individual commander more than you trust the politicians? Mm-hmm. And the answer yeah. is almost always yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the education, uh, the educational, or the or the values that are uh, that are Im- implicit, or that are in the military, in the heads and the minds and the hearts of the military, is extremely important. Then, oh, absolutely, it's it's the last word on the subject. That's mm-hmm. those are the people. In the end, they're going to make the final decision about who the government is. That happened back uh, when the Constitution was created. The reason that. George Washington, a military general, was picked to lead the Constitutional Convention was because everybody knew that the Army had to be behind the Constitution or it wasn't going to uh-huh. survive. Uh-huh. That's why Washington was put in there. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Rick. If, uh, if it's economics, it's inflation... Inflation is a great destabilizer of society, no question about it. For the common folks, for the masses, you know, the people on top are doing quite well, and we've seen this massive redistribution of income through this printing press. Um, money being created, it, it it helps the rich get richer, and it, and so we start to see people's salaries not going up as fast as the inflation, and they start having, if they have work at all. And so, um, and peop- and food prices is really a key. When food prices go up and people can't put food on their table, then you know what is there to lose, but to rebel. So the Fed knows this stuff. The Fed, even though they don't give lip service to the money supply as Milton Friedman did, uh, that that's the reason for uh, for inflation. The Fed understands that it is, and the Fed doesn't want to have disruptions. I wouldn't think. I think they would like to have things going hummingly well because they're doing extremely well. Why does the Fed? Why doesn't the Fed then put the brakes on the money supply? What's keeping it from doing that? Well, that's uh, the article in the uh, October-November early warning report. Um, I don't know; it's like four pages long, and it's yes. a very, very careful explanation of what's going on here. And the key to the whole thing is what's called malinvestment. Mm-hmm. Malinvestment is investment made in the wrong places or, or the wrong times for the wrong reasons. 
Uh, and what happens is the Federal Reserve uh, increases the money supply. Uh, they inject money into the economy, but it does not go to, into the economy in a uniform blanket. We don't all get equal shares of that money they inject into the economy. Some people get a whole lot, others get less, and some get none at all. And wherever you see a lot of money going into a given location, that becomes a hot spot. And businesses see that hot spot developing, and they move in there. They they spend their capital, uh, which which is the savings of the people. They spend the capital uh, building new uh, factories and offices and buying new equipment, and all of this capital formation goes on in these hot spots that are artificially created by the Federal Reserve. So. Those once those uh, hotspots exist, then the Federal Reserve has to keep pumping out money to keep them alive, so that they don't go under and you don't have a huge wave of unemployment. So that's the how, you know the Federal Reserve walked into that trap back in 1914 when they decided to finance the uh, First World War, and um, by printing money. And they, they created what's called the business cycle, the boom and bust cycle. And the, the boom is when they're injecting money and new businesses are being built. And the bust is when they stop injecting the money and those businesses um, start going under. Uh, they go in the red and they lay off their employees. And, and so we've been on this... Um, uh, malarial, uh, you know, chill and fever and chill and fever mm -hmm. business cycle ever since uh, the Fed was created in 1914. It keeps getting worse and worse, and that's where we are today. If if they stop printing money, there is going to be a huge shakeout of all of this malinvestment. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, what I explain in in the the newsletter it's it's too complicated to get into here yes into right here but we've got a model to follow there uh, the re the recession that occurred after world war ii was handled correctly mm -hmm. by the government uh, it's one of the very few times in history where they did something right and um it, it you know the correction period only lasted you know maybe uh one year at the most and um, everything came off just beautifully. Unemployment only got up to 5.9 percent. Mm. Uh, typically, you know, we bump up against 10 percent in the recessions yep. today. Mm -hmm. But as bad as is that shakeout had to be after World War II, it was actually so mild that most Americans don't know it happened. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's the model to follow. And um, as I said, it takes takes me like four pages to explain the yeah. whole thing. But yeah. I I think it's one of the best explanations I've ever done. Well, that's a good reason uh, for people to subscribe to your letter and, and get a copy of the, of that. Uh, that's the November October November issue. Normally, you publish every month, but I guess there's a couple of months of the year where you combine two two months. Right? It's a ten issues a year, Rich. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, you know, you mentioned keep an eye on the Marines, but another thing that you keep an eye on in terms of inflation and the mood of the people is monetary velocity. You show it every month in your newsletter. And uh, comment on monetary velocity because it's very important as people start to get fearful or they start to see prices rising, they start to hoard. 
or they start to realize that their money is becoming worth less, they say, well, let's buy it today because tomorrow it's going to cost a lot more. And then that sort of exact, sort of a self-feeding loop, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and where do we, what is your view right now of monetary velocity in the United States and uh, globally? I think it's still, um, I think in the United States it's still uh, depressed mm-hmm. and, and probably abroad. Now I'm talking about the velocity of the dollar only. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Abroad it's even more more depressed mm-hmm. because people have been scared for, <laughs> who knows, 20 years or something. And so... Um, you know they're frightened and they've been hanging on to their dollars but we are in a situation now where uh the fed has gone absolutely nuts printing money and people are catching on that that money is going to lose a lot of its value and so i think we're in a transition period here between low velocity and high velocity and when you get to high velocity people start buying stuff you know, madly in order to get rid of the money as fast as possible before, as you say, it becomes worth less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think we're heading up against that, where they will start spending the money like crazy, and um, the people that are selling things are going to realize, well, do I really want to take this money? Yeah. Uh, and do I want to accept it? And And what they will do is they will raise their prices. And they will keep on raising those prices as fast as they possibly can because mm-hmm. they actually don't want the money either. Mm-hmm. So they need extra money to take uh, take some of the risk out of making a sale. And so then that's velocity taking off. When these people start uh, spending their money very quickly uh, and when the people who own the, the goods and services begin re- raising their prices quickly in order to... Uh, Make sure that they they don't um, you know take a bath in these transactions. <clears throat> then you you are in a position where the the money's changing hands faster and faster and faster, and prices are rising faster and faster and faster. And that's what makes a runaway inflation, where mm-hmm. you eventually wind up uh, with if the Fed doesn't stop printing money you're going to eventually wind up with prices rising dramatically mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've seen this in history, you know, dozens and dozens of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, you know, everybody I think has probably heard of Zimbabwe. That's the mm-hmm. most recent one where, you know, it would take, take a, a million Zimbabwe dollars to buy a stick of gum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you eventually wind right. up. All right. Well, Rick, you, in your newsletter, you show uh, stage one, stage two, stage three in this uh, process of uh, velocity, and you have mm-hmm. the United States, as you just said, a little bit more more velocity there than in globally. But you're mm-hmm. getting close in your newsletter to stage two. Might you quickly describe stage one, stage two, stage three? And again, folks, Rick uh, keeps track of this every every week, every month in his letter. It's it's another bit of information I think is very valuable. To, but if you could, Rick, just quickly. To, you know the different stages. I guess stage one starts out kind of slowly, but right. then as as things accelerate, it seems. I think. Right. Uh, there's an article on our website that explains this a lot better than I will be able, be able to, to hear uh-huh. very quickly. Um, in, the inflations go through three stages. In the first stage, people really don't un- understand what's going on, and they don't know about the Federal Reserve printing money and making it less valuable, and they have this attitude of well. 
um, I'll wait until tomorrow to buy such and such because maybe the price will come down. Yeah. Okay, so the money circulates slowly in stage one. Now, the Fed can actually print a lot of this stuff, which has been going on for the last 20 years or so. They can print a whole lot of it, and people just won't spend it very right. very quickly, uh-huh. and so it doesn't affect prices very much. Mm-hmm. In stage two, they're catching on. They're beginning to realize there's some kind of fraud going on, and their money is losing value, and maybe they better spend it faster. And then, you know, that's when you have the velocity starting to take off because every dollar is circulating more more quickly and can affect prices more easily because it's circulating so fast. So you have stage two where the the uh, m- the prices start really taking off, and I think we're in the beginning of that right now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're out of stage one and, and very close to stage two mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. And then the third stage is one where they don't care what they're buying or what it costs. It doesn't matter. Just get rid of the money as mm-hmm. fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the wheelbarrow stage where yeah. you actually see people going down the street with wheelbarrows full of money that they're trying to get rid of in some way before it becomes worthless. Right. All right, Rick. Well, uh, we're just about out of time, but I would just uh, say that anybody that's seen a chart of the German hyperinflation will see a very long period of flat, stable prices and then gently rising. That would be stage two, and then all of a sudden stage three is a blow-off phase. And that can't last very long because all of society melts down, and that may be the kind of thing that you were talking about, Cuba, your Cuba model. That may be the time when things start to really one way or another, they have to settle down because people just can't live that way. Rick, with just a, a couple of minutes left here, you have you mentioned platinum. Uh, you, you mentioned also, I should tell people that in your newsletter, you you provided some in some ideas of, for income because Lord knows we're going to need income when things go go in the wrong direction. We always do need income. But I would like to ask you and maybe close out by asking you in terms of balance sheet, people that are you know that have more than they need right now, where should they be allocating their 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 uh, their resources, their financial resources, in preparation for what looks increasingly likely a, a, a serious inflation problem. Um, I never hesitate to say that everybody ought to have some gold, silver, and platinum coins. Mm-hmm. Um, you, that's just a given uh, mm-hmm. because you know that's what's what's really going to be buying you your groceries mm-hmm. during an inflation. Um, and then beyond that, you want the kind of uh, investments that um, are uh, able to rise in value as the money falls. And you know, one one of the best examples is real estate, which has been doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. Real estate in the last well, last two years or so has been performing exactly like it's supposed to mm-hmm. in inflation. Just you know, the the main thing to understand is that almost everything will will rise because the money will fall. Right, and, and so you, you just do not want to have uh, investments that are tied to the value of the dollar. The best example is bank accounts and bonds. Uh, their value only comes from the value of the dollar. There's no other place, and. Um, if the dollar's fallen, then the value of those instruments is falling, and those instruments are fixed income, so um, they cannot adjust 
to an inflationary situation. Mm-hmm. Stocks, on the other hand, can. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in this newsletter, I I recommended several stocks. Mainly, you want ones that uh, sell the kinds of things that people have to have, uh-huh. regardless of how bad things are. Mm-hmm. Um, things like uh, drugs and fuel and toilet paper mm-hmm. and gasoline. You know, these necessities. You want companies that produce those. Right. Uh, one of them that I like is Walgreens Boots Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the symbol is uh, WBA. Mm-hmm. And another one is uh, Medical Properties Trust. Mm-hmm. And the uh, symbol is uh, MPW. Um, these are the kinds of firms mm-hmm. that sell the things that people must have. And so uh, I I really recommend those. All right, Rick, we'll have to leave it go at that. Thank you so much for sharing those ideas with us. It's always good to catch up with you. We should do it more often, no doubt, because you do. What I'd like my listeners to know is that not only do you provide a rich understanding of history and apply it to the present time, but you also provide some practical ideas for people uh, to, uh, to help them. Uh, with the financial needs uh, that they have going forward. Rick, thank you so much for being with us. And again, folks, it's earlywarningreport.com, earlywarningreport.com to sign up for Rick's newsletter. It's a brilliant piece of work, and I definitely suggest you sign up for that. Thank you, Rick, for being with us, and uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Thank you, Jay. All right, folks, we do have to go. That's it for this week. Next week, Alistair McLeod will be with me, uh, Patrick Highsmith of Firefox Gold, and Michael Oliver of Oliver MSA. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Labrador Gold is an exploration company focused on its flagship Kingsway project located in central Newfoundland Gold District. Labrador Gold's first phase drilling program has successfully identified high-grade gold mineralization, including a 3.6-meter intercept, grading 20.6 grams per ton gold, and 1.85 meters, grading 50.38 gram per ton gold. The company has approximately $35 million in the treasury and is led by a world-class team of CEO Roger Moss and technical advisors Sean Ryan and Quentin Henney.